Would you turn to Matthew 16 this morning? Matthew chapter 16. We began a few weeks ago on this series we're calling The Church. The Church. And Matthew 16 is our text. Jesus asked them in verse 13, he said, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And you know, people uh, all over the earth, where they spend eternity is determined by their answer to this question. Who do you say? Not, not who your church says. Who do you say he is? Well, I think he's a good man. Well, that's not enough. Hmm? I think he was a fine religious leader and taught some good things that we can live by. That's not enough. Peter said in verse 16, he said, you are the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Everybody say that out loud. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Do you believe that? Hmm? Like I said, where you spend eternity is determined by what you believe about this. And what you act on. Say it again. You are the Christ. The son of the living God. You know there's people. Millions and millions of people. That pray to dead gods. Isn't it sad? They pray to rocks. And things that people, craftsmen, have made a God, and they fall down, and they worship it, and they offer it drink offerings, and meal offerings. We're not talking about a thousand years ago. We're talking about right now. Not just a few people. Millions and millions, millions that worship, and there's some right now in different parts of the world that they've got a hundred different gods in their house. God for this, and a God for that, and a God for the other, and a God for prosperity, and a God for protection, and a God, and praying, and offering incense, and, and all of this kind of stuff to these dead gods. They can't answer a prayer because they're not alive. <laughs> they can't meet your need, they can't protect you, but the devil has got them in fear. And so they're trying to protect themselves, and Oh, dear me, some of the awful stuff that people are doing and going through. Aren't you thankful that the Lord has enlightened you to know there is one God, one God, one God, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he's not a mean, cruel God. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's not a sadistic God that gets some kind of perverse pleasure out of hurting us and destroying us and does all kind of terrible things. We don't know why and he's just doing it because he's God and he can't. He's a good, good, good God and he loves us and he cares about us and Jesus, his son, has paid the price for our redemption and he's got a future for us secured. I think we forget sometimes there are millions of people don't know this. We're so blessed. I said we're so blessed. So blessed. Thank you, Lord. He said, you're the Christ. That's who I say he is too. 
He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And he's my Redeemer and my Lord. I serve him. Everybody say that out loud. Even if it's the first time you've said it, you can say it for the first time today. Because you believe it. Say it out loud. He is the Christ. The Son of the living God. And he's my Lord. My Savior. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you believe that in your heart and you say it with your mouth, you'll be saved, the Bible said. Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. Well, when he said that, Jesus said to him, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. You didn't get that by figuring that out in your little noggin. <laughs> God, the Father in heaven, reveal that to you. Verse 18, and I say to you that you are Peter. And Peter means rock, but it means rock like you could pick up and carry. Rock. And upon this rock, which is another word for rock, which is a huge rock like a mountain rock, <laughs> I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On what rock? What rock? Well, 1 Corinthians 10.4 says that rock was Christ. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, Other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. What is the foundation the church is built on? Well, it's not Peter. I respect Peter, but no, you can't build the church on Peter. <laughs> hmm? No, the church is built on the rock. Not a rock, the rock, the master, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Hallelujah, who rose from the dead, triumphant over death. Hell in the grave is set down at the right hand of majesty on high and is coming again, coming again. And the clouds of the believers and witnesses coming with him and he's coming to get us. Hallelujah. That's what the church is built on. That's what the church is built on. And it's an eternal rock, eternal foundation that cannot be shaken. You believe it? Jesus said on this rock, I will build my church. Is this something that's important to him? You know, his priorities ought to be our priorities. Don't you think? You know, I've prayed this for years and will continue to do so. Uh, Lord, help me to see things through your eyes. Help me to see what you see. I want your values to be my values. Your priorities to be my priorities. Is that your heart? Hmm? Would you say it out loud? Father, open my eyes. Help me to see what you see. I want your priorities priorities 
to be my priorities. Your values to be my values. You know, he told these scribes and Pharisees, he said, uh, that which is held in high esteem among men is abomination in the eyes of God and vice versa. Well, I don't want that. I don't want me to look at lightly what he says is important. And I don't want to spend a bunch of time on something and think it's important and he didn't care about it. Hmm? Well, what's required is mind renewal. Because there's a big difference between just being religious and serving God. And it was obvious that the religious people of his day, and the same thing is true today, they didn't have a clue what was important to him. They thought they knew so much, and he told them, he said, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you won't come to me. He said, you're in there reading the word every Sabbath, and you're talking about the word, the word all the time, and here I am, and you don't know me. I don't like that. I don't want that to happen to me. Hmm? I don't want to have all these programs and religious ideas and doing all this stuff and God could care less about it. No. I want to know, Lord, what's important to you? What's number one to you? Hmm? What do you say is valuable? What do you say is important? I believe this is important to him. Huh? What's the Lord doing? What's the Lord doing in the earth? He said, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. The uh, Amplified says, the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. There's more than one idea here where it says, shall not prevail. I know when you hear it. It seems a little vague to you in your mind. What does that mean? The gates. And gates means just what you think. Gates. That's what it means. The gates of hell shall not prevail. How does a gate prevail? Hmm? You take a gate and beat somebody with it and overcome them with it? No, what does it mean? That More than one thing. It means gates represent also authority. In the word, the authority and the powers, all the authority and all the powers of the devil and demons and every dark spirit cannot and will not overpower the church. But also that which the devil has enslaved and bound and kept in bondage and has put a fence around and gated up, those gates will not hold out against the church breaking through them. Oh, come on, breaking through them. And advancing and setting free the people that were held in bondage and in darkness for all these years. Put simply, hell ain't going to (laughs) win. The devil ain't going to win. You have read the back of the book, right? We already know how this thing turns out. Jesus said, on this rock, the rock of the Christ... The anointed one, the son of the living God, on the rock of the master himself, Jesus the Christ, 
I am going to build my church. Do you hear the ownership? Who's going to do it? He didn't say he's going to send some angels. He said, I am going to do this thing. And it's my church. I am going to build my church. And he wanted us to know ain't nothing going to stop it. The gates of hell, the authority of hell, the power of hell, the work of hell. Nothing is going to stop this mighty moving force. Call the church. Huh? Now, uh, what is the church? We've touched on this a little bit, but uh, one thing the church is, the church is called the body. The terms the body of Christ and the church are used interchangeably at times. Go with me to uh, Ephesians, if you would. Let's look at this. What is the church? He said in Ephesians 1, Verse 22, Ephesians 1, well, verse 20 says, he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 21 now, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to what? To the church. Who's the head of the church? Jesus is the head of the church. Verse 23, what? Which is his body. What is his body? The church is his body. Say that out loud. The church is his body. Who's the head of the body? Jesus. Who's the head of the church? Jesus. Same thing. The church is his body, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Go to uh, Colossians, the first chapter also, please. Colossians 1 and 17. He is, talking about the master, he is before all things. Colossians 1, 17. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. You see these terms are used interchangeably, aren't they? He is the head of the body, Comma, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Why do you say firstborn? Because there's a second born and a third and a thousandth and a millionth born. He was the first. You and I are in there somewhere. From the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So the church is his body. Skip down to the 24th uh, verse. Verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. It's repeated again and again, isn't it? 
And I'm not looking at all of them right now, but you'll see this. The body is the church. The church is the body. Amen. Is the body of Christ important to Christ? Is the church of the Lord important to him? Now, when you say the church, I know there are groups in the earth that call themselves the church. And they mean their denomination. We are the church. It ain't true. I said it's not true. There is no group and no denomination on the earth. They are the church. If they're born again, if they're born again. They are a part of the church. And all of us together make up the church. If they're not born again, I don't care how many buildings they got and how big they are. They're not even a part of the church. Care how religious they are, how many services they have. If they're not born again, they're not even a part of the church. There's only two groups in the earth. There's only two families in the earth. Now, people like to imagine, well, we're all, you know, children of God, and we're all brothers and sisters. It ain't true. Jesus told some of the most religious people of his day, you're of your father, the devil. Didn't he say that? Well, if it was true then, it's true now. No, there's a family of Satan in the earth, and there's a family of God in the earth. And you're not, somebody said, well, I'm in neither one. I hadn't decided. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're in one. We know which one you're in. (laughs) I haven't decided yet. (laughs) Yeah, you have. Yeah. You're either born again and in the family of God and serving him, or you're in the family of the devil. Hmm? If you believe the Bible, you have to believe that. Now, people imagine all these other things. No, I'm independent. I'm just doing my own thing. Ain't nobody my God. Yeah, and the devil wants you to believe that all your life. The devil's favorite thing is for people to believe there is no devil. That's his favorite thing. That allows him to work unhindered. No, only two families in the earth. Two families. The family of Satan. Part of them is on the earth and part of them is in hell. The family of God. Part of them's on the earth. Part of them's in heaven. Only two families. And only one way to get in the family of God. It's through faith in Jesus. He is the rock. The church is built on. Can you say amen? People say, well, now that's just narrow-minded. I believe there are all these religions that are sincere. That they're just, it's they're taking their path to God. And there are many paths to God, and I just believe we can be one with the great cosmic oneness, and you're so narrow, yeah, and saved. Jesus said, there is a broad way that includes everything, huh, and it leads to destruction, and there is a straight and a narrow way, and Jesus didn't say, I am one of the ways. I am one of many ways. What do you say? I am the way. You can't be a Christian and believe there are other ways. Did you hear me? If you're a Christian, you have to believe what the Christ said. And he said he is the way. 
And he said he is the only way. He said nobody comes to the Father except by me. Hmm? So you can't get to the Father through Buddha, through Muhammad. Did you hear me? Through anybody else. Some say, well, you're just not. I can't be a Christian and believe anything else. Hmm? If you really are a Christian, you can't believe there's any other way. Right? How many Christians do I have in here? (laughs) All right. Then how many ways are there to the family of God? How many? Are you sure? Just one. There's only one way to the Father God, to the family of God, to the body of Christ, to being a part of the church. Only one way. One way, Jesus, faith in Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God, through him, you can be born again. And there's a book, there's a book, I'm talking about another book from the Bible. There's a book called the book of life. Have you read about this book? Mm. The Bible refers to it repeatedly. The book of life. One time it's called the the book of life of the lamb. Another time it's called the lamb's book of life. Several times it's just called the book of life. And the Bible says if your name is not in that book, you go to destruction. You're not saved. And how do you get your name in the lamb's book of life? You believe on him. You put your faith in Him. You put your trust in Him. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. How many believe your name is in the Lamb's book of life? And you can't get that. You can't, you can't be in the church through anybody else except who, whose book is it? It ain't Muhammad's book. It ain't Buddha's book. It's the Lamb's book of life. Now, you can think we're narrow-minded. You, you can call us what you like. But I'm telling you, if you believe the Bible, you can't believe anything else. If Jesus said it, you must believe it, or else you're not really a Christian. Right? I guess somebody needed that today. But uh, the church is the body. Now, in talking about the body... Is the body important to Jesus? I want you, you were there in Colossians. uh, Go back to Ephesians 5. Here's something else the church is. Let me review just a little bit. We gave you the definitions of the Greek words for church. Anybody remember what it is? The church, two basic words that, that give this meaning called or called out and what's the other one together together or together together and so you put those two together and you got the idea called together this building doesn't make this a church this morning it's the fact that you and I answered the call to serve him to believe on him to serve him to be a part of the kingdom to be a part of this church You answered the call this morning when you got out of bed. And we came together. But we're not just together, just in the building. Huh? 
We're together in believing the same thing about Jesus. Now we don't have to have all the details. You know we don't have to agree on all the details. But the essentials. We obviously agree on enough. That we all came and got together this morning. Huh? We agree on enough. That we're together. And we're worshiping God. And we're in the word. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. Here's something else we are. That the church is. Ephesians 5. 23. He said. The husband is the head of the wife. Even as what? Christ. Christ is what? Who's the head of the church? And what is that like? He said it's like. Even as. Just like we could say. A husband and a wife. Well how important. Is a wife. To the husband. Hmm? What I'm endeavoring to say. (laughs) Yeah that's the right answer. Uh, (laughs) What priority. Is the church to the Lord. What priority is his. Body. What priority is his bride to him? Hmm? What would be more important to him than his body, his bride, his church? Now let's keep reading. He said, uh, the husband, this is verse 23 of Ephesians 5, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, you know, I've, I've had people tell me, you know, Phyllis teaches on this subject in marriage meetings, and I've taught on submission and authority, and I've had people say, well, now, I believe that husbands and wives should be absolutely equal in every regard of their relationship. And a lady one time come to tell me, she actually heard some things I was saying, didn't agree with them, and she came and her husband, bless his heart, he trotted about 15 paces behind her. And stood back there and didn't say a word while she did all the talking. And she said, you know, I heard what you said. And, you know, people ask me sometimes, you know, who wears the pants in your family? And I just laugh and we say, this is her talking. She said, ha, ha, ha. Neither one of us, we both wear knickers. (laughs) Short pants. What she's saying is equal. Equal. And people teach mutual submission. What's got quiet in here? Did you hear that? (laughs) Mutual submission. Well, I submit to you and you submit to me. And they'll quote, you know, oftentimes just a previous verse up here in Ephesians 5, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And they say, well, that means that we submit to each other. Well, uh, how does that work? How do you decide who submits on what day? Hmm? Who decides it? And how is it decided? How do we decide if it's husband submitting to wife day or it's wife submitting to husband day? Y'all going to help me with this or not? Well, I just believe we ought to submit to each other. And people will carry that over into the church too. Well, I believe, you know, that the pastor ought to be submissive to the people too. And we ought to submit to each other. Well, how do we know what day it is? You submit to me or I submit to you day. 
Which day is it? I call it the mutual submission teaching. And it's error. Now we are supposed to be easy to get along with. And to yield to each other. And just as a, you know, what does it mean submitting to each other? You're to be able to and willing to give in on things. Especially things that, you know, not that big of an issue. Do we go to McDonald's or Burger King's? Well, if you ain't heard from the Lord... Say, hey, what do you want to do, right? Yield to you. But then he started talking about submission with everybody, and then he went to another group. Are you listening? And then he said, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Now, he never said, husbands, submit yourselves to your wives. Are you with me? And how is the wife to submit herself to the husband? What's the example? Just like the church does to the Lord. Well, if mutual submission is true, you have to carry it over to this. Does the Lord submit to the church sometimes? See, the type has to work. Right? Does the Lord say, okay, I'll do what you want to do today. What do you want to do? (laughs) Now, he did not say husbands Make your wives submit. Did you hear me? That is not in the Bible. And husbands, never ever look at your wife and say, submit to me. You're supposed to submit to me. The Bible says, never bring it up. Never say it. Because he didn't tell you anything about the wife submitting. He wasn't talking to you. Are you listening? Well, what if she won't? Well, then she won't. (laughs) And she'll be in trouble with the Lord. Did you hear me? It is unscriptural. It is actually devilish for a man to try to make his wife submit. Did y'all hear me or not? It is wrong, it is unscriptural, it is devilish for a man to try to force his wife, make his wife submit to him. It's devilish, it's wrong. Did you hear me? Well, let me, let's back up to this. What is the marriage a type of? Christ and the church. The church, us, his body, we're his bride, his wife. Just like uh, the woman is to the man. Well, what if we won't submit to our Lord? What if we don't want to do what our husband, the Lord, wants us to do? We don't want to do it. We ain't going to do it. Will he make us submit? No. Hmm? If anybody would have had a right to, it'd be him. And he could. But he won't. I said he won't. He will not try to make us do anything. It's up to us. Now if we don't do it. It'll cost us. Right? It'll cost us. But he's not going to make us do it. There's some men. That's the only scripture they know in the Bible. Wives submit. Bless God you're going to submit to me or else. You're devilish. 
You're devilish. Quoting the Bible like that. (laughs) You you ain't even got no right to use that verse in your mouth. (laughs) You need to be serving God. It's the, why did I say it's devilish? It's the devil who wants to control people and manipulate people. It's the devil who is a forcer. He's going to make you do it. He's going to coerce you to do it. Are y'all with me now? Husbands, you are never to try to make your wife do something. She's not your daughter. She's God's daughter. Did you hear me? Wives, your husband ain't your little boy. You don't tell him what to do. Hmm? (laughs) If he wants to eat a candy bar before his meal, he's a grown man. Hallelujah. Huh? You are not his mother. A, A real man don't want a mother for a wife. He don't want a daughter for a wife. He wants a woman. Did you hear me? And ladies, if he wants to wear stripes with plaids, he's a grown man. I ain't letting you out of the house. What do you mean you ain't letting him out of the house? And men, if you let your wife run you like that, something's wrong with you. She won't respect you. She may act like she's glad you do what you say, but she don't respect you. Woman don't want a man like that. Now, men, if your wife's got better eye for some things than you do, have some sense. Right? (laughs) You know, and sometimes it'd pay you to ask and say, hey, how's this look to you? But wives, don't you dare say, you ain't leaving the house like that. What? How dare you talk to your husband like that? Would the church ever talk to her Lord like that? You see how far we've gotten away from the Bible. People got all these ideas about how things are supposed to be. Bring it back to the Word. What is marriage a type of? Christ and the church. Husband, What is your example of how to deal with your wife about any and everything? How the Lord deals with the church. That's it. That's your example. Wives, what is your example about how to deal with your husband in every area, in every situation? How the church should respond to the Lord Jesus. Hmm? So, well, they're not doing their part. He didn't say you were relieved of doing your part if they didn't do their part. Well, they don't merit my respect. He didn't say they had to. He told you to do something. Right? And it's up to you whether you're going to do it or not. Now, if they don't do their part, they'll be in trouble with him. But why should you get in trouble? (laughs) Huh? Won't you go ahead and do your part? Whether they do theirs or not, do your part. And it'll give God something to work with, I'm telling you. It'll give him something. If just one person is trying to do the word, it will help the marriage amazingly. If just one of them is trying. Imagine what if both of them. Days of heaven on the earth, I'm telling you. Have I digressed? 
What am I talking about? The church. God has given us wonderful, beautiful pictures to tell us what the church is and how it is. He said the church is the body. You got a body? You know what the church is like already. It's like what you walked in here with. Right? Jesus is the head. Well, the smarts are in the head. The brains are not in the feet or the hands or the shoulders or the knees. Where's the brains of this organization? (laughs) It's in Jesus. It's in the head. Right? And the direction. I mean, my hands moving here, my arms going up and down. Where's that coming from, though? It's coming from the head. Right? The instructions to the nerves, to the muscles of what to do. It's coming from the head. That's what the church is like. He's the head. We are the body. You and I are in here somewhere. Maybe you're a fingernail. Huh? (laughs) Maybe you're a hair in the ear. (laughs) Maybe you're a spot on the nose. You know, there are many parts. Many parts. parts, And they're all good parts. There's no unnecessary superfluous parts, no bad parts, all important parts. And that's what the church is like. The church is also, or we should say maybe the other way around, the husband and wife, the marriage is like the Lord, the Christ and the church. Keep reading here. Verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of of the body. Headship in a family or a church or whatever. It's not about privilege. It's about responsibility. Being the head of the home don't just mean that you get met with your paper and your slippers. And you sit in up your easy chair and go, I'm the king of this castle. No, being the head of the home means you look out for the house. Right? You look to take care of the house and, and the family and you're overseeing and you're, you're willing to die. Right? Isn't that the head of the church? He was willing to die for his bride. And he did. Willing to give it all. Not selfish. But yet the leadership should have some authority. And he went on to say, Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. You know, if a husband loves his wife, he doesn't want her beat down. He doesn't want her for a doormat. He wants her to look good. He wants her to be glorious. He wants her to reach her full potential. Can you say amen? Amen. And men, if you got any sense, you'll understand this. The better your wife is doing, the better it makes you look. It's a reflection right on you. Your wife is brilliant and amazing and beautiful and rich and spiritual and successful. People go, who's that woman? That's his wife. You go, that's right. Yeah. That's right. The wife, the woman is the glory of the man. If a man understands that, he's not going to degrade his wife and abuse her. 
Did you hear me? He wants her glorious. Her glory is his glory. Can you say amen? Amen. Anybody read Proverbs 31? The Proverbs 31 woman? Hmm? What kind of woman is this? My woman's Bible woman. Barefoot and pregnant and has my meal on the table on time and don't talk. (laughs) You're ignorant. (laughs) Read the Bible. This woman. The Bible says, I won't try to quote it all or go through all of it, but this woman is a woman of wisdom. Can you see it? A woman of grace. A diligent woman. If you read it, she's a businesswoman. She's into fabrics. She's into real estate. Did you hear me? The woman's got several irons in the fire, but her house comes first. First and foremost, her man and her kids and her house is taken care of. Amen. And she's got wisdom. She's always prepared. And the Bible said in other places, her husband is known in the gates. And she comes in and she says, you know, glory to God. You know, the Lord blessed that real estate deal I was in with. You know, and we made $500,000 off of that today. And her husband says, truly it is written. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> now he is the unquestioned head in the house. He's the head. Everybody knows it. She knows it. The kids know it. But that doesn't mean he's mean and overbearing and tries to keep her under his thumb. She is his glory. And the church is the glory of our Lord. What kind of priority is this to him? Hmm? What's the value of the church to the Lord? What's more important to him than the church? Do you know of anything? Somebody said, well, souls. What do you think the church is? (laughs) What, What do you think it means building his church? How does the church get built? With living stones. Me, you. Everybody that gets born again is a living stone that's sealed into place in this building by the Holy Spirit. And when the building is completed, that's it. That's it. He's coming back and going to indwell this building for eternity in his full glory. My, my, my. What's more important to him than his church or building his church? then let's not get distracted by any other things that's happening in the earth. Let's get our focus on this. Is that okay? The Bible said, verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Now see, he pulls that other illustration in with this one now. He that loves his wife loves himself. Does Jesus love us? Does he love his wife? Does he love his body? Does he love his church? Yes, yes. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. Even as the Lord the what? The Lord does what with the church? 
He nourishes. Well, you got to back up. He loves the church. In verse 28, he nourishes the church. He cherishes the church. I know I'm repeating myself, but is the church important to our Lord? He loves the church. He's interested in continuously nourishing the church. He cherishes the church. Can you say amen? Amen. And he talked about verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Every one of our marriages ought to be a witness other people can see of how Jesus loves the church and how the church loves Jesus. People don't even know God ought to be able to see us and see the love of God for his church and the love of the church for her Lord. Every one of our marriages ought to be a living, walking revelation of Christ and the church. Go to Acts, please. I think I can close with this. Acts, what is it, 20? Acts 20. What is the value of the church to our Lord? What priority is the church? Then what should it be to us? Hmm? Acts 20. Are you there? In Acts 20 and 28, he's talking to the leaders of these churches. He says, take heed, therefore, to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed what? Well, what's the minister's job? He's an overseer. He's to oversee the activities of it. That doesn't mean do it all. Hmm? If you're trying to do it all, you're a poor overseer. If you're trying to do it all, you're not overseeing. Not doing your job. Besides that, you got all these folk doing nothing. (laughs) Need to be doing something. So they get some reward. So they'll develop. He said, the Holy Ghost has made you overseers and you are to feed the church of God. How many remember when Jesus, after he's raised from the dead, talking to Peter after he'd betrayed him? You remember that? Took him aside. Peter, do you love me? Wow, that's a question. Right? Especially in light of what he's done recently. You know, stood out there and denied he even knew the Lord. Cursed and said, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know him. And now the master, risen from the dead, looks at you with those eyes and says, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes. Yes. What did he say? Of all the things he could have said. What am I talking about? I'm talking about what's important to him. Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, sir, I love you. He said, feed my lambs, my little ones. Looked at him again. Peter, do you love me? He thought, oh, God. Yes, Lord. Yes, you know everything. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. What's important to the master? Hmm? Why are we having church this morning? Huh? Why? Do, we, do you care about building the church up? Do I care? Do we care about building the kingdom beyond ourselves? 
Do we have enough sense to know we're not the church? We're just a part. Do we want to build up other parts? Do we want to make the Lord happy? Hmm? You want to do something for a parent? You want to really touch a parent? You want to really make a friend out of a parent? What do you do? Do something for their kids. It'll mean a lot more than doing it for them. Do something for their kids. It'll come right back to them. You got a friend. Hmm? You want to please God? Do something for his kids. You want to make him happy? You want to give him joy? Bless his kids. Help his kids. Do something for his church. His body. He said the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God. What? Read the last phrase. The church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. What a term. What a phrase. How much stronger could you say it? What, how much bigger of a price could you pay? You can't pay a bigger price. I mean, you can pay your money. You can pay your stuff. But when you pay your blood, you don't have anything else to pay. When you pay your blood, that's it. You're out. You're gone. You're done. And he did. I said he did. He shed his blood and he didn't just, he wasn't just bleeding because he couldn't help it because they took him and crucified. No, he said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down and I got power to take it up again. I've received this commandment from my father. He proved they couldn't take him, didn't he? They came and they're about to grab him and take him. And they said, you know, who are you looking for? And they told him, he said, I told you I am. And when he said that, the whole bunch of them fell out. All the guys that are going to take him into custody are laying on the ground shaking. He had to wait on them to get back up. To get him. They're standing shaking. You fellas strong enough to take me in now? Give us a minute. He laid his life down of his own free will. What is important enough that you would do that? What is that valuable that you would, that God would give his son, that the son would give his precious, spotless, sinless blood and pay every last drop of it? What is that valuable? You. Me. So the next time the devil tells you you ain't worth much, you tell him he is a liar. God's not dumb. He doesn't pay a trillion dollars for a three dollar item. Does he? God's not dumb. But he was willing to pay the most valuable thing in all creation. The Bible says you were not redeemed. You couldn't be redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But you have been redeemed by the precious, precious. What does precious mean? Valuable. More valuable than all the gold and platinum and precious metals. and More valuable than anything in the universe. Is the blood of the lamb. And he willingly paid it for his church. Oh glory to God. He bought 
the church. He has purchased the church with his own blood. I'd say the church is of the highest priority to the Lord Jesus. It is. What else is more important to him? I don't know of anything else that is more important to him. So what about us? What about Faith Life Church? What about the people in Faith Life Church? Huh? What's job one? He said, I'm going to build my church. What do we say? I'm with you. I'm with you. What's important first thing Monday morning? Building the church. Last thing Tuesday night. Building the church. What are we going to do? Build the church. Build the church. Build the church. As long as we draw a breath, as long as we got a dollar, as long as we can lift our hands and do something, what? Build his church. And will it be a good investment? It will not be in vain. It will last forever. The gates of hell shall not prevail. It will last. Glory to God. And it will prevail over all. Oh, one of these days it won't be long. The Lamb is going to stand up. And there are going to be many that follow Him. Robed in white. People are going to know, who is that? Who, who are those people? They're with Him. He lives with them. They stay with Him. They live with Him. He's appointed them the rulership over all His kingdom. Who are those people? Who are those people? They'll say, They are those who've washed themselves in the blood of the Lamb. They are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're His forever. Glory to God. Say it out loud. I am His. He is mine. He is our head. We are His body. We are His church. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lift up your hands. Let's worship the Lord. Glory to Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.